I'm saved through his blood. Amen? Amen. In fact, if a person is saved, that's the only way he can be saved is through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to say again how grateful I am for our church and for our pastor. And again, as I said this morning, to echo just a little bit of sentiment that we stated this morning. Out of all the travels we've made across this country and different nations around the world, I'm grateful that God has put us at Bible Baptist Church. I've said this often, and I'll say it again tonight, not to be redundant or justifying words to beat the air with, but one of the greatest decisions we've made in our life and under the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God outside of our salvation is coming to this church. And I'm grateful for our pastor, I'm grateful for our deacons, our Sunday school teachers, for uh, those that said under the sound of our voice tonight. I love our preacher, and I'm hoping and praying continuously that God will allow them to get some fresh, uh, refreshing and relaxation while they're out for a few days. And um, unless you've been involved in the ministry in a full-time capacity, you may not understand what I'm going to say here momentarily, but I'll say this, I said often to our staff at Rock of Ages Ministries, when you're called into the ministry, it's not an eight-hour-a-day job. It's a 24-7, 365 days a year. And Jesus tried to get away and spend some time in prayer, but even then the disciples found him. And you can never completely get away and unhitch from ministry. It's always there. Even if you're not called, texted, or emailed, or something urgent comes up, you always have the burdens and the heart of the people that God's called you to minister upon your heart and your mind. And I'm grateful for a pastor that preaches the Bible, the Word of God, and stands firm upon sound doctrine. Tonight, if you have your Bible, we'll go to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 3 and verse number 20. I was going to go to the book of Habakkuk, and just seemed like God began to move us this direction, so Ephesians, chapter number 3 and verse number 20. And I appreciate the choir. I've heard a lot of choirs, and I wish I could take this one to prison. Not that you deserve to be in prison, or that I want to imprison you, but I'd like for you to go to prison with us so they could hear some good old-fashioned choir singing. And um, sometimes when you're in prison, I remember one time at the Yankton Federal Prison Camp in Yankton, South Dakota, used to be the old Yankton College, and uh, they converted into a federal prison camp. And we had a three-day revival, and it was on Sunday morning, and the chaplain came to us. He said, now... I'm going to let you preach on Sunday morning, he said, but the men have been practicing all week, and they have special songs that they want to sing before I turn you loose preaching. Well, that was unusual, because typically we would lead the singing, and we would have special singers and be doing all the services, but the chaplain let us know ahead of time. He said the advantage of all of that is all the prisoners' families are going to be here, and they can sit out on the prison yard in kind of an amphitheater they had, and he said, you should have access to about 300, 350 people to preach to. Well, I was all excited. With the lines, I went with my guns loaded. And the first group up was a rap group. The second group up was the Native Americans dancing, doing a rain dance. The third group up, and by then, I don't know who sang or what. I was, my nerves was frayed. And I didn't have much preaching me by the time they got there because I was ready to chew 16 penny nails off a roof and chew them up and spit them out. But as we consider that, I appreciate our choir tonight and all the special music. What a blessing. In Ephesians chapter number 3, if you have your Bible, let's stand in reverence to the reading of the Bible. In Ephesians 3 and verse number 20, Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, and he simply says this, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, 
according to the power that worketh in us. Our fathers, we bow before you tonight. We thank you for your meeting with us and for the testimonies, for the singing, and God, for the choir and the special songs. Now I would ask you tonight that you'll help us from the scriptures and the word of God. May you feed our hearts and our souls. Help us, I pray tonight, to be a clay, a tool, a vessel, an instrument in the hand of God. And I pray, our Father, that for the next few moments, you'll help us to be an encouragement to your people. Bless our pastor, bless Miss Nolita and all the family. And I pray you'll give them a special touch of rest and God, that you'll give them a special divine presence even on this day and this hour and this moment. And we'll be careful to thank you for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus and he simply says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above that all that we would ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. For just about 15 or 20 minutes tonight, by the help of God, I want to speak to you on the subject matter of unto him that is able. I'm glad we serve a God who is able. In fact, Paul is trying to express the emphasis of this passage of Scripture, and I want you to bear with me for just a moment, and it's almost as if in this verse, the Apostle Paul is climbing the ladder of his words, trying his best to reach the pinnacle of the expression that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we'd ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Notice he starts out with simply uh, three words, God is able. And I'm glad tonight that God is truly able. And he says it is unto him, and he is speaking of God and God's divine authority and God's sovereignty. And so he says God is able. And it's as if the Apostle Paul stops and he thinks for a moment, and then he says God is able, and he adds two words, God is able to do. And Paul begins to reflect upon that, and it's as if he says that that's not enough. And he says that God is able to do, and then he says and adds the word exceeding. And God's able to do exceeding tonight above all that you and I would ask or think. But then he not only stops there, but he goes on and he says that God is able to do exceeding abundantly. And you'd think that that would be the pinnacle of what Paul's trying to get across to the Christians and the believers in the city there of Ephesus. But he doesn't stop there. He says God is able to do exceeding abundantly. And then he says God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. Do you see the progression in how Paul is climbing with his words to express the ability of God seated on the throne of heaven? And then he not, he not only stops there, but he says God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above, and then he uses the word all. Yeah. You know, all encompassing, there is nothing limited to the power and the working of God. But then he goes on and, and uh, summarizes it by saying this, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Let me ask you this question tonight. What is it that you desire God to do? What is some miraculous thing that you would like for God to do in your family, in your home, in your finances, in your children or grandchildren, or between you and your spouse? What is it tonight that you would desire God to do? 
And in your mind and in your heart, it would be something that would be phenomenal. It'd be beyond human reasoning and human ability. And you would have to know without a shadow of a doubt that if it came to pass, God would have to be the one to answer that prayer and bring it to pass. And tonight, when you have concluded what you would want God to do, I want to say to you, according to this verse, that God has the divine ability to go exceedingly abundantly above all that you would ask or think. And whatever you came up with in your mind, God is able to exceed that unto him that is able. I want to give you three things tonight very quickly. Unto him that is able, notice if you would please in this verse of Scripture, the possibilities. The Bible says, now unto him that is able. And the word able means having sufficient power, a skill, or resources to do something according to Noah Webster. And so what it's literally saying is that God has the ability, that God has the ability to do everything that we would ask and to exceed everything we would think. And God has the power, God has the resources, and God has the ability to go far beyond to do more than we ever could dream or imagine. Do you know I believe with all of my heart that all the great feats that God has allowed this church to accomplish through our pastor and through the family and through our church families that are here tonight. I'm so grateful that I believe that out of all that's been said and done, out of the great worship services and the great uh, preachers that pastor has had in this church and preached on this very platform behind this very pulpit and the great singers that have stood in from our church body and the choir to the special singers and the instruments and so forth to the special guests that have been here, I want you to know that of all of that, I want you to know that God's able to save the best days of Bible Baptist Church lay yet ahead for under the leadership and the vision and the guidance of our pastors he seeks the will of God. Thank God for the possibilities of this passage of Scripture. The first use of the word able in the Bible is found actually in the book of Genesis in chapter number 13 and verse number 6. And we find in verse number 5 and 6 of Genesis, he says this, And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herbs and tents, and the land was, watch this, not able to bear them, that they might uh, live together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there's the first use of the word able in the entire Bible. And the word able in, the, in this passage of Scripture, he says the land was not able to bear uh, both Abraham and Lot because of their wealth and the blessings that God had bestowed upon him. And even in the first use of the Bible, the word able, it deals with the abundant blessings of God upon his people and upon his servants. And may I say to you tonight that God is able to go beyond the bounds of even our possibilities. God is God, and he will be constrained or restrained by no one and nothing. With our poverty of mind has come poverty of action. I believe the reason some people are so uh, laid back in their Christian life and have no fire or fervency about them is because they believe that they have experienced it all. Now, granted, sometimes as you travel, we've been to Europe, Asia, Africa, uh, South Central America, and different countries. I remember, uh, and I hope, I don't know who owns the apple orchard over in Cleveland, so I hope they're not a member of our church tonight because I'm about to offend them unintentionally. 
Well, we lived out of the state of Washington where the red delicious apples were at. And literally, they've got thousands upon thousands upon thousands of acres. You drive for miles down the road where those apple orchards are at. We moved to Cleveland, Tennessee over two decades ago, and all I could hear was everyone bragging about the apple orchard over in Cleveland, Tennessee. And so Mrs. Ellis and I decided we was going to go to the apple orchard in Cleveland, Tennessee. And uh, so we drove up, and we drove right past it. And the GPS said it was back behind us, so we turned around, we drove past it again. And finally, we turned into a little dirt road and went out into the middle of what seemed like a field. And there might have been, I'm not real sure how many there were, but to me, it seemed like there might have been, if you stretch it, there might have been about eight or ten acres of apples. Well, I'll be honest with you. I guess if you'd never seen an apple orchard like that, it would be pretty impressive. But when you've seen the Washington uh, orchards where there's literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands of acres, I was a little disappointed to say the least. And we got left. Peggy said, them people need to go to the state of Washington. I said, be careful. And we've seen some of the great wonders of the world. And yet I want to say to you that everything that we have seen and everything you've seen whether it's in church or in your family or outside or some magnificent handiwork of God's move and creation, I want to say to you tonight that even that is only a, can I use the southern word, it's only a smidgen of the potentials and the possibility of Almighty God. Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we would ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Small thoughts have produced small deeds. Small faith has produced small feats. Small actions have produced small things. We need to come back to the place where we come to the realization that God is able to go beyond even our needs. And that's not all He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we would ask or think. William Carey said this. He said, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. What have you attempted recently that was great and so great that God would have to intervene to bring it to pass? Have we become so conditioned in our Christian life that we don't believe God for big things anymore? Abraham and Sarah, when she heard that she would conceive and bring forth a child, she laughed in the tent. God heard her, and the Bible says in response to her, response to God's promise to her, in Genesis 18, 14, the question is asked, is anything too hard for the Lord? And God goes on to say at the time appointed that she would bring forth her child. And so I ask you tonight, is anything too hard for God? What is the greatest, deepest, most urgent desire of your heart? What is that that is pressing in your life? And I want to say to you tonight that God is able. I remember when I got saved and gave my life to the Lord, I'd only been a Christian for a couple of nights. And there was a major thing that came into our life. And I got on my knees and I thought I was going to pray through the night. I didn't quite make it on an all-night prayer meeting, but I tried it. And I prayed for everyone and everything and everybody I'd ever known and everybody I'd hoped to know. And I might have prayed for just a few minutes. 
But that night I got on my knees and I made a simple prayer and before I got off my knees, God had heard and answered that prayer. You know why? Because God is able. And He's able to do exceedingly abundant above all that we would ask or think. Israel in the wilderness journey, God gave them quail and manna from heaven. God gave them water from great depths. God allowed them to wear their clothes and their shoes for 40 years and they never wore out. And I say to you, if we would ask Israel tonight, hey Israel, is God able to provide and do exceedingly abundantly above all that you would ask or think? I believe they'd cry out from heaven with a resounding yes. Nothing is too hard for God. I believe we asked Gideon tonight if there was anything too hard for God when he went out to fight against the Amalekites and the Midianites, when he went out with 32,000 and God reduced him down to a few thousand and finally eventually down to 300 and God allowed him to have great victory of the Amalekites and the Midianites and I believe we could cry up to heaven tonight, hey Gideon, is anything too hard for God? And I believe you'd call down and recall the story and say absolutely not. Nothing is too hard for God. I believe we could ask Joshua, hey Joshua, is anything too hard for God? And I believe Joshua would say, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you how we marched around the walls of Jericho and how that God moved on the scene and the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. You asked me the question, is anything too hard for me or too hard for God? And I believe Joshua would flail out from heaven and say, no, nothing is too hard for God. I believe we could ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were thrown in the fiery furnace. Hey, Shadrach! Is anything too hard for God, boys? I believe they'd say, let me tell you about a time when we were thrown in a fiery furnace and the odds were against us. Without God's divine intervention, we were all be nothing but toast and burnt ashes. But I want to say to you, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would say, there's nothing too hard for God. He delivered us out of the fiery furnace and even took away the smell of smoke. Nothing is too hard for God. I believe you could ask Daniel in the lion's den. Hey, Daniel, what was it like? Daniel, is anything too hard for God? And I believe Daniel would say, let me tell you a story. When I was a young man, I didn't bow to the king and pay homage to him, but I paid homage to Christ just like I did or God every day of my life. And he threw me in the lion's den. And let me tell you, when he came in the next morning and he said, Daniel, has thy God saved thee? And he cried back to him. I believe Daniel would say to you and I, no, nothing, nothing, nothing is too hard for God. Ask Peter when he walked on the water. Peter, is anything too hard for God? I believe you'd say, let me tell you a story one time. Jesus come walking to us on the water and I cried out to him and he bid me come walk with him on the water and he'd say, I walked on water. And I began to sink, but it's because of my uh, disbelief and taking my eyes off of him. But I say to you tonight, Peter would declare from heaven, no, nothing is impossible with God. All things are possible. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we would ask or think unto him that is able. I believe we could ask a virgin tonight in heaven by the name of Mary. Mary, is there anything too hard for God? And I believe she would say, absolutely not. I was a virgin, espoused to Joseph. 
We never had a relationship with each other and the power of the Holy Ghost overshadowed me and I conceived in the womb Jesus, the Son of God, the Lamb of God. And I want to say to you, nothing is too impossible or too hard for God. The possibilities are far greater than you and I could imagine tonight. We limit God by our unbelief. In Nazareth, in Matthew chapter number 13, verse number 68, the Bible said he did not many uh, mighty works there because of their unbelief. I've heard people get on their knees and pray and ask God for something. When they get up off the knees, they begin to talk immediately in doubt and disbelief and unbelief. We have not because we ask not. And I say tonight that we need to come to God that God is able. And if we really believe that God was able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, I believe we'd be asking him for more. I believe we'd be believing him for more. In Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. In Psalm 34 and verse number 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. In Psalm 84, 11, and 12, notice in the latter part of verse number 11, no good thing would he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. In Psalm 103, verse number 5, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things. You want the good things of heaven tonight? You want the great things from heaven tonight? We must come to him and believe and believe that through him all things are possible. You say, my marriage, it's impossible. My children, it's impossible. My grandchildren, it's impossible. With you and I, it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. The Bible says in Joshua 21, 45, there fell not aught of any good thing which the Lord spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass in Jeremiah 32, 17. There was nothing too hard for thee. And there's nothing too hard for God tonight. The possibilities in this verse, unto him that is able, he's able. Thank God he's able. And there's a song and I can't sing or I'd break out singing it tonight. He's able, he's able, he's able to deliver thee. Luke 1, 37, for with God nothing shall be impossible. And then cycling quickly, notice with me tonight, the plenteous. Notice the Bible says in this passage scripture, scripture that God is willing to do exceeding abundantly. And the word exceeding means to go beyond. It means to surpass, to in quantity or duration. And so God is able to not only do the impossible, all things are possible with him, but he's able, he has plenteous. His resources are not few. His resources are not drained. Heaven's not about to go bankrupt. Whether America does or not, I got news for us tonight. America does not run heaven's economy. Heaven's economy runs his own economy and God's people's economy and God's church and God's missions and God's preachers. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things. God's able. He has plenty. In James 4, 3, the Bible says, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may receive, uh, consume it upon your own lust. Thank God there's the possibilities and then there's the plenteous. I could tell you story after story tonight for many years, been a missionary and how the Lord has provided. I've shared with you over the years past uh, different things about the first home that we ever lived in. 
God's given us a wonderful home. Every home we've ever owned has been a fixer-upper. Every home we've ever owned has been a fixer-upper. Every home. So we'd buy one, fix it up, sell it, buy one, fix it up, and sell it over the years and the decades. And God's given us a nice home. Even the one we have, it's sat empty for 10 years. Uh, I'll not go into the uh, details of how run down it was. And we've been working on it. And used to, we could go through it and redo our house in a few uh, months or possibly a year or two. And now we've been working on this one for seven years and still working on it. But over the years, we prayed and asked God to meet the needs. And God's never failed. We ate so many pinto beans, macaroni and cheese, corn in our earlier years that when we celebrated our first wedding anniversary and Peggy's daddy brought us a bag of pinto beans, a box of macaroni and cheese, and two stalks of corn or two corn husk or what have you. And we ate them by the grace of God. When we first got married, we'd go through three pound of lard a week. We were true Southerners. Everything we ate was fried Everything. It tastes good when it's fried. Somebody say amen. It's like a friend of mine. He said the doctor put me on a strict diet. He said everything that he had me to do, I had to juice it. And he said it was a miserable three days until I found out you could blend Milky Ways in a blender. (laughs) The plenteous. Jehovah Jireh. The Lord is able to provide. He's able to meet the needs. How do we see God's provisions? As the Bible says, and shall be given unto you, seeking ye shall find, knocking it shall be opened ye. For everyone that asketh receiveth, to him that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh the door shall be opened unto him. And so we ask, and God simply answers the prayer. Given it shall be given unto you in Matthew, or excuse me, Luke 6, 38. And then I'm going to give you one last thought, and I'll be done momentarily. According to our text, unto him that is able to exceeding abundantly above all that we'd ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Now we've seen the potentials, the possibility. We've seen the resources and the, or the supplies, the plenteous. Now let's very quickly look at the power. Somebody says, I, I just can't do that. Well, according to the Bible, you can. The same Holy Ghost that lives in our pastor is the same Holy Ghost that lives in you and I tonight, if you've been saved. The same Holy Ghost of God that indwelled the Apostle Paul in the New Testament and allowed him to be a tremendous preacher, the same Holy Ghost of God that worked in the life of the disciples is the same Holy Ghost of God that lives and takes up a boat in your life and mine when we are converted to Christ. The same Holy Ghost of God that anointed Jonathan Edwards when he preached sinners in the hands of an angry God. He preached it in his own church on a Sunday and didn't get even so much as a holy grunt out of the congregation. Not a single soul moved in the invitation. The people acted unconcerned, unmoved, complacent. But I've been to the marker where he stood It's now a subdivision with houses all over. In fact, the marker, the little uh, granite marker, sets inside some brush around the 
community. And it's a marker where he stood and preached that message. And God began to move. And God brought through those great preachers the great awakening. According to the power that worketh in us. May I say that the power, it's not a, a external force working down upon you and I. It is an internal force. It is the power, the anointing, the presence, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God that works in us and through us and out of us. And may I say to you, according to the power that worketh in us. So what is the limitation according to the scripture tonight on the possibilities and the provisions or the plenteous of that? He said, according to the power that worketh in us. You say, well, preacher, how can I experience great things? You allow the power of God to work in you, through you. Because all of these things are contingent upon the power of God that works in you and through you. However fertile the soil is, the rain and all of it can be soaked into the soil. But my friend, unless there's life, there'll be no fruit. The possibilities are enormous. We've just got to come to the place we're willing to submit ourselves to God and allow God to work in us and through us. I was preaching a meeting some time ago. A lady walked up to me and said, Now, Brother Ellis, have you been talking to the preacher? I said, No, ma'am other than just scheduling the meeting because I knew what she was trying to say. She said, you haven't talked to him? She said, have you talked to my family? I said, ma'am, I don't even know your family. She said, everything you preached tonight was exactly my life. According to the power that worketh in us. As they come to the instruments tonight and prepare for the invitation. I wonder tonight, with heads bowed and eyes closed, who can say tonight, preacher, I need God to work a miracle. I need the Lord to work in a great and a mighty way in my family. I need God to work in a great and mighty way in my finances. I need God to work in my children, my grandchildren. What I thought was impossible, I understand tonight, According to the power that worketh in us, the possibilities are exceeding abundantly above. We've tried it our way for many years. I believe God's given us the opportunity to do it His way tonight. As people make their way to the altar tonight, the invitation is open. I don't know the needs are to hear tonight. Only God knows that. But I just have a burden on my heart that there's someone here tonight that has been bearing a load and a burden for many, many years. And you've given up. In fact, you probably quit praying because you didn't think God would do it. But now unto him that is able. Thank God he's not only able, he can exceed. He can go beyond. He can turn the tide. 
Our fathers, we bow before you tonight. I pray your blessings upon this invitation, every heart that's on the altar. Bless your people. Bless your church. God, we're a needy people. We need you to do exceeding, abundantly, great and mighty things tonight. Meet with us, I pray. Brother Sam leads us an invitation song tonight. If you need